Welcome to RCV Clips, short recordings and interviews designed to introduce listeners to helpful tools and brief explanations about ranked choice voting and how this voting method works. These clips are produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, a compilation of best practices and first-hand experiences from jurisdictions that have used ranked choice voting, also known as RCV. The website, www.rankedchoicevoting.org, and the overall project serve as resources for election administrators, voters, policymakers, candidates, and for anyone who wants to learn more about ranked choice voting. We are not advocacy-focused. Rather, we aim to provide resources that allow jurisdictions to implement RCV effectively and efficiently. The RCV Resource Center team is comprised of former election administrators who have conducted statewide, municipal, and district RCV elections. Welcome to the September 2018 episode of RCV Clips. I'm Chris Hughes, FairVotes liaison to the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Today, we're speaking with Casey Carl, the city clerk for the city of Minneapolis. He started working in Minneapolis in 2010 and oversaw their RCV elections in 2013 and 2017. He's prepping for the 2018 election now, which unfortunately has no ranked choice voting elections. He's joining us today to speak about Minneapolis's experience implementing ranked choice voting and to tell us what's next for RCV in Minnesota. Thanks for joining us today, Casey. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here and thank you for inviting me to be part of the work. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you. I'll just start with the basics. Can you tell us about how ranked choice voting got adopted in Minneapolis? So in Minneapolis, the process of adopting ranked choice voting was very organic. Um, <clears throat> it was a grassroots initiative driven primarily by advocates within our community. Um, it was an exciting element for us because it, it wasn't something that was pushed outward from city hall, from city government. It was an idea that was really ignited in the community, and it was advanced as an idea for the community by the community. That's not to say that um, there weren't advocates uh, at the time who served in elected positions. Of course, there were, and there are today. But but really, um, they played a supportive role, and they kept the focus on how RCV might benefit the community and empower more choice for voters, and they let the advocates sort of lead that process. the local fair vote chapter, which is led by Gene Massey, they played a significant role in building awareness and helping to educate voters on what ranked choice voting is, how it works. And so that's a role that they played, they continue to play today, both in Minneapolis and throughout the state of Minnesota. And because of that groundwork, um, when the question was put to voters in 2006, should we move to ranked choice voting for our municipal elections, the question was adopted on a two to one margin, largely reflective of that significant sort of groundswell of community engagement and activism pushing for change. Yeah, well, and I know that uh, fair vote, not to get too into the advocacy side, this is about administration, but we know that grassroots movements are the things that really make sure these sorts of election reforms that are responsive to the community actually get adopted and, and put in place. Yeah, and I, I think I would add, I, I mean, again, put on the neutral hat of an election administrator, that's the role I play. But the fact that this was pushed in Minneapolis from outside of City Hall, I think gave it a sense of legitimacy. It was not another initiative, another reform by electeds, like we know better than you coming from City Hall, this is what's good. It, it was outside of City Hall and it, and it worked its way into City Hall. And I think that that process um, helped lead the transformation um, and a successful ballot campaign for passage. Uh, overwhelming support for it too. Right. Well, and so moving into once you get adopted, you know, you have to implement it. You have to get ranked choice voting up and running. So how did you and your team work to get 
this method up and running in Minneapolis. Well, so I, I mentioned it was adopted in 2006, and the first use was in the 2009 municipal election. That was before I joined the city. But yeah. the implementation and the first iteration were done by a different team. Uh, the good part is that our former elections director who oversaw that initial work, her name is Jenny Gelms, and she currently is the elections director for Hennepin County, which is where Minneapolis is located. So we still have that partnership with Jenny, and we're able to draw on her early experiences and the work that she did to make that first uh, election using ranked choice voting a success. Um, and of course, implementing a brand new system, that's challenging. Uh, and from an election administrator's perspective, I think the biggest hurdles were primarily about process and people, the two Ps, process and people. First, um, understanding the new process, how votes are tabulated, what the ballot would even look like, how ranked choice voting would work, and then how to communicate that to people, right? Because we were, without an automated system at the time to process those, we, we had to develop an entire methodology for how to handle these new ballots. So we came up with a what we called the Minneapolis method, a full hand count methodology. Um, we had to test it and we had to refine it. Um, we had to do that under a really tight time frame because it was adopted in 2006 and it was expected to be used in the next municipal election in 2009. So they worked really, really hard to develop both the process and to educate the people, both the poll workers who would have to help voters in the polls as well as the voters. And so, again, I think they did a really good job of that. They did an amazing job and set the stage for us. Then when I became clerk in 2010, I, I had a short period of time to get up to speed on RCV before 2013. So I asked my staff to put me through what I called at the time RCV college. Um, so I could get myself grounded in that original methodology that was developed for 2009. And in 2012, I hired our elections director, our current elections director, Grace Lockleroas. And she and I together then worked with our team to further streamline the tabulation processes. We were extremely fortunate. I mean, it really, it saved us that we were able to purchase some new equipment in that year, 2013, that gave us a what I will call a semi-automated tabulation process. It was really a hybrid that avoided the necessity of a hand count, but gave us an exportable data file that we were able to use to tabulate results. Um, so, so because of that new equipment and a series of process improvements that we codified in our ordinance in 2013 prior to the election, we were able to then take what in 2009 had taken 15 days to complete that process. In 2013, we did that in just three days. And so that was a significant, huge improvement in the process. And then just last year, four years later, in our next uh, iteration of RCV in 2017, we reduced our tabulation to a single day, less than 24 hours. So each of those iterations we've had, those three election experiences using ranked choice voting, we've constantly improved our process. We've constantly gone back to refine and perfect the ordinance and to streamline both administratively how we do things, but also to improve how we communicate with the public and with the voters so that they understand how that process really works. Right. Well, and could you talk a bit about how... Um how you actually work with that that data that gets exported from the voting machines to to run your tabulation of your ranked choice voting elections. Right. So I mentioned in 2013 we got new new equipment and and it was great, but it came in like in midsummer, literally two or three months before <laughs> election day, and we'd never tried it, it, had never been tested anywhere this exportable data file. So we were obviously very nervous. Um, and so Grace and I got together and put our thinking hats on. How can we um, sort of kill two birds at one time. How can we take advantage of this technology, but we cannot run it for the first time without having tested it first. 
Um, there were no standards. You know, the EAC has had not at that time promulgated any standards for any alternative methodology. So we, we didn't really even have federal or state standards against which to test. So we decided what we would do is conduct a mock uh, election, a citywide mock election involved or inviting all voters to participate over a two and a half week period. And then we hired a firm based in Florida um, called Freeman Craft McGregor Group. They are um, an agency that tests and audits election systems and software. And so we hired Freeman Craft McGregor to come work with us using the data pulled from that citywide mock election that used a ranked choice ballot style, including both single and multi-seat races. And then we ran that through the process. Um, we developed a spreadsheet in Excel that we put the data that was exported from the systems into, and we used Excel sort of as a digital sorting table. We followed the processes for the hand count, but used Excel to expedite that process of sorting and piling methods. And then we used it to calculate. We didn't put any embedded algorithms in, but we used it as a calculator to get us some results. And then what Freeman McGregor did is they audited that entire process um, and they analyzed the system. And in the end, their audit found that our system using the exportable data file produced accurate, consistent results, that those results could be verified through post audit testing, and that the results could be repl replicated with a hand count process if needed. So they gave us the assurance we needed that um, the, the process would work, that it would work consistently, that there was integrity in that system, and that it could be transparent. So because of that, we proceeded to conduct the 2013 election using the exportable data file and the Excel spreadsheet. Um, again, from 2013's experience compared to the first time in 2009, what had taken 15 days to hand count a smaller outcome. So there were smaller voters, smaller number of voters participating in 2009, and we had more voters in 2013, plus more candidates. And yet we were able to move from 15 days to three days. And then using that same process with further ordinance improvements for 2017, we reduced that down to 24 hours. Wow, so it's it's gotten uh, pretty smoothed out. You've, you've really found a lot of efficiencies in your process. Yeah, we really, really have found, um, you know, sort of Kaizen business improvement processes. We've found inefficiencies that we've streamlined. We've eliminated unnecessary steps or duplicative steps. Um, but we also have at the same time ensured that we retain within our process essential checks and balances to make sure that we have that integrity. So as we process the data using Excel, we always have a minimum of two teams working on the same race at the same time. And each team has two people. So one person follows the process to tabulate the results and the other partner monitors and verifies each step is completed. And then they check regularly against their, their fellow team, team of two across the way, to make sure they're getting the same results at each step in the process. And if there's ever an error, we zero out and go back to the beginning and start again. So we've built in redundancy and checks and balances where needed, but we've used the opportunity to streamline where it's not needed. That's great. And, you know, that that is like sort of assuring to hear as a person who just from as a voter, from the voter perspective, to hear that there's all these checks against the process to make sure it's actually producing the results that should be coming out of these elections. Well, and then um, also. Oh, I'm sorry, but I was no, yeah, to ahead. that point, if I can, Chris, the other thing we did, so that's internal, but 
we also wanted to make sure our voters had trust in the process. And so one of the things we do here, because the county collects all the data from the precinct, we engaged our partners at Hennepin County. And you'll remember I said, Jenny Gelms, the director at the county's elections office, used to be our elections director. So she, she was familiar with this process and she partnered with us. They actually keep our original data. We don't touch it here at the city level. So all of our precinct and early vote data gets transferred to the county. The county keeps all the original data files and they create a copy for us. We only work with that copy of the data. So there again, it, if for some reason the train got off the tracks and we had to completely go back to the beginning, we would go back to the county to get the master data off the official results uh, that we don't keep in order to maintain that, that sort of check and balance, that separation between the county and the city. So we built it in from the county and the city at the highest level and then within the tabulation piece, two separate teams of two people working on the same race at the same time and checking regularly to ensure they get the same results. So we really were cognizant from the beginning of needing to give voters assurance that this new system had integrity, that it could be replicated, that it could be audited, that we were very, very sure of our process and of our results so that they could have assurance that we were we were producing results they they could count on. Right. Well, and my next question is maybe a little redundant because we've talked about this spreadsheet method and the, the counting method so much, but are there any big differences between running RCV elections and non-RCV elections aside from this? Is there anything else you would want to highlight about the sorts of uh, other things you have to anticipate for ranked choice voting? You know, probably not apart from anything obvious in terms of the technicalities, but if I can riff on that just a, just a bit, I'd go in a different direction. And, and one of the things I've appreciated really most about ranked choice voting as an election administrator is that it really opens some important doors for my team and for me personally in terms of how we approach elections, not just ranked choice voting elections, all elections. I, I see our role as ensuring access to the ballot box. And one of the areas that I'm most interested in when I became city clerk was what we call voter outreach and education. But at the time, in 2010, when I became clerk, there was honestly some real pushback from policymakers and the community about the role clerks would have in assuming an active role in that area. Um, at the time, there was this belief that voter engagement, voter outreach, voter education, those were the responsibilities of candidates, of advocacy groups, and trusted organizations like the League of Women Voters. It wasn't an area where people wanted to see the clerk um, actively participating. Um, and so it was a little bit unorthodox. But when we approached the 2013 election, one of our policymakers at that time, Elizabeth Glidden, in a public meeting opened the door by inviting me and my elections team to engage in what we ultimately came to develop and call our voter outreach and education program. And as we hit the ground in 2013, developing what does it mean to still be neutral, but to provide basic facts and information about um, voting, about voting processes, about the importance of the vote and how to engage and, and use your ballot to reflect your preferences and choices, um, that was important to us and it's grown every year. We now have a permanent voter outreach and education program that we do for every election, but it was because of ranked choice voting we were able to sort of step into that space. Um, and we've grown it. And I, I'm not certain that we would have been allowed to play in that space if it had not been for ranked choice voting. So quite unintentionally, I'm sure, RCV opened the door to this whole new approach of how I think about and how we plan and administer every election that we administer now. We are relentlessly focused on how we communicate with and how we listen to our voters 
We're constantly working on identifying and then engaging with underrepresented communities, those who historically have not shown up at the polls. And it's led to some very innovative partnerships with our community stakeholder groups. We've, we've been able to produce a voter guide that gets mailed to every single household in the city, whether those voters are registered or not, which includes some basic information about that year's specific election. Um, and we've been able to hire a seasonal outreach team uh, of our communities that goes out into community to help educate voters, to register voters, to engage and drive voter participation. And that seasonal team of outreach workers reflects the diversity of our city. And it, it helps to reflect that city in our internal plans. And we've learned so much from working with them. We've gotten to know our communities better and to really appreciate the need to tailor our engagement to each of our specific communities, to their unique needs, in addition to general messaging. So I know that's not maybe the question you started with, but when you talk about lessons learned, really the community engagement and the ability to identify, engage, and actively partner with communities has been the biggest lesson for me personally. And it's one that we've leveraged then, not just for RCV elections, but for every election. And I really think that it helps set Minneapolis apart in many ways. Our elected officials and our community value access to the ballot box. They value the importance of what it means to participate, um, recognizing that the elections are an important, they're just one means of engaging, but they are an important and critical one. And so I have been blessed to be in a city and in a position where my policymakers, my elected policymakers value the work that my elections team does, and they value that by giving us the um, resources and investments, i.e. cash, so that we are able to really move the dial in that regard. Yeah, well, I, I know we're all on the same page there, and I, I think our listeners are too, that we want people to be invested in their ballot and, and feel like they're encouraged to show up and vote. Yes. Uh, well, and so speaking of the voters, with all this voter education work you've done with people in Minneapolis, what have you heard from voters in Minneapolis about ranked choice voting? Um, mostly good things, honestly. Um, we're also fortunate part of our investment in good elections is that we've conducted a post-election survey each year that we've done in RCV year, so 2009, 2013, 2017. Um, and those post-election surveys include both residents who have voted that year as well as those who haven't. So we really try to, um, to get both sides of that coin, as it were, those who choose not to participate and those who did. And every single year, um, the baseline results show an increasing number of residents who find RCV not only easy to do, but who like it and want it to continue. So, for example, in the uh, post-election survey of 2017, 97% of participants indicated that they thought RCV was simple was easy. Um, to me, as an election minister, that means, hey, our messaging is working. We're, we're out there targeting people to show them that RCV is not complicated, it's not hard to get, and you can do it. And you can maximize the power of your choice if you use the ability to rank more than one candidate. You don't have to, but you can. Um, and so the second question, in 2017, almost 80% of people who voted indicated that they did. They went ahead and marked more than one person in a race. So not only did almost Everyone who participated in the survey say it was easy to do, but a significant volume, more than three-fourths of the voters said that they ranked more than one candidate. And then fully two-thirds of survey respondents said they wanted Minneapolis to continue to give them the option of using RCV in future elections. So I feel like that feedback shows not only have we done a good job at voter outreach and engagement, 
but that the voters like it. They understand it, they get it, um, and they appreciate the ability to rank uh, choices in a race instead of making one out of many. They, they appreciate the flexibility and the choice that RCB gives them by extending the power of their ballots. Yeah, absolutely. And I know uh, the, all that data you cited just now is music to my ears, but I know uh, in October, the Resource Center is going to also have a webinar about this sort of data that we have about ranked choice voting elections and what we've learned from Minneapolis, what we've learned from voters there, what we've learned just from the the ballot files you guys have, what we've learned from Santa Fe and Maine and anywhere else that where we can get this sort of data to learn about what voters think and how they actually use their ballots in ranked choice voting elections. So I'm excited to expand on on that same stuff you were just talking about. Yeah, I'm really excited um, to see sort of what comes from Maine. I think we all are, right? There's a yeah. whole state now. And I, I mean, from our perspective, it's like, watch Maine. This is the most exciting piece because it's great when cities have led this transformation. But um, to be fair to the vending community who needs that incentive, I mean, they have a business to run and to support. And the, the impetus to get into this space with us is now better than it's ever been because you have a whole state that's all in. And um, so that's exciting. I'm excited to hear how Maine voters find RCV and how that might compare or contrast to Minneapolis voters. Um, you know, Maine and Minnesota have um, a lot of ties historically together in terms of how those two states develop, but we're different enough that it shows between two different communities how those how that new methodology of voting might be perceived and, and how we might now collaborate across jurisdictions to improve this system so that other jurisdictions also can decide whether or not they want to jump in with us. So the way you were talking about Minneapolis at the beginning of this episode, you guys were sort of putting the municipal version of ranked choice voting through the stress test. And now Maine is putting it to the stress test at the state level. And we're learning a lot about how administration of it can work well and what voters think when it moves from, you know, smaller municipal communities to a statewide election when the co the political context, everything is just a little different. And we're learning a lot about oh. what that all means for the method. Yeah, significantly different. I'm, I'm very interested to see um, the data and, and sort of cull through that and have other groups sort of synthesize that for us. I think it will be hugely impactful, not just to Maine, but extrapolate that back to the smaller jurisdictions that have been and are doing RCV now. There are lots of lessons to be learned, and, and, and I'm excited to see how we can learn and benefit here because of that state's experience. Absolutely. Well, and that, that leads me to my last question. I know you're busy, so I'll let you go after this last one. But what is your next big project for ranked choice voting elections in Minneapolis? <laughs> so you won't be surprised when I say a fully automated system, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I really, I, I hate to say it, but... I feel like we've gotten our process as efficient as it can be. We have educated our voters. They are engaged. They like it. Um, Minneapolis is on the tipping point. We're, we're there. You know, if there is a community that's ready, it's us. And we just need that last little piece, that last component, a fully automated system. The only real criticism I've gotten the last two elections, Chris, honestly, and, and it's, it's a fair criticism, but it's also not a huge, and that is, the lag between election night and when results are available. I mean, in 2017, again, it was less than 24 hours. And voters were, you know, they appreciate, they understand why. It's not that they don't get it. And they, and they have said to me, they're willing to accept that delay because of the expanded power of choice they get with their ballot. 
But in today's world with technology, I mean, we all carry a computer around in our pocket. We call it a cell phone, but, you know, it's much more than that. And so they, they have trouble understanding why the elections industry is sort of caught up in 2002 technology. Well, you know, there's lots of reasons, lots of reasons for that that we could spend a whole show on. But, mm-hmm. um, but really, that's the big piece for us. The only missing piece is a fully automated system. Because um, we have voters who are engaged, they're confident in the system, they like the system, they want to use the system, um, and and so for us, it's just having an automated system so that we could process faster. Yeah, I know the resource center is excited for you guys to get that up and running so we can help you uh, make sure you're checking all the boxes off and and getting your ballots designed and running things really efficiently and getting your results out on election night, maybe. I will take all the help <laughs> I can get if I need it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining. Uh, This was great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today for our September RCV Clip. This is a monthly segment produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. You can subscribe to RCV Clips anywhere you get podcasts. Please take a few seconds to rate and review the podcast, too. Our theme music is Flutterbee by Paddington Bear. Thanks to Casey Carl of the City of Minneapolis for joining us this month. Until next time, I'm Chris Hughes on behalf of my colleagues at the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center.